0: All right, all right. Well, welcome. Thanks for joining us. As we make our way back in, we will get started. I think that's the wrong way to say it. We already got started. What a great time of worship. Thank you, everyone. So, how many of us love the rain? How many of us just love the rain? See, I don't like the rain, especially at this time of year. Uh, I'm usually, when it's raining, uh, I'm thinking the same thing that you are. Uh, Why can't it just be snow, right? Because we all love snow. Come on. Uh, Am I alone in this? I love the snow. We need more of it. Uh, we took a, a leadership retreat um, up to the cabin this weekend, same one that the ladies are going to in a couple weeks, and there is a lot of snow up there. It's a lot of fun. I got to break a snow plow, and it was great. Good trip. It was awesome. So, um, ton of fun. But, you know, uh, I remember as a kid growing up uh, really wanting snow. And why as a kid did we want snow? To miss school, exactly. I remember desperately hoping for snow, uh, praying diligently at night that it would snow that evening so that school could be missed. But fortunately as a kid, uh, we have one other cop-out in life. Uh, I don't know if you ever did this. Uh, I did. Uh, It's when you wake up in the morning and you really don't want to go to school. And so you say, mom or dad, you say, I just don't feel good. I just need to stay home, I think, and they say something like, well, tell me where it hurts, and you say, yeah, it hurts, you know. I I was poor at lying, but, you know, there comes a, a, you know, that day that it's like, I just don't want to do it, so here's what I'll do. I'll pretend to be sick, and we have this fascinating story today in John chapter 5, About a man laying by a pool, waiting to be healed. And Jesus asked a very poignant question of him. Do you want to get well? We've been in the series of John for um, a couple months now. We took a break uh, during Christmas and Advent and all that. But we've been looking through the story of John, and the Gospel of John is written by a man named John, one of Jesus' closest followers. And later in his life, he chose to write down this account of all the things that he experienced walking with this man, Jesus he tells a story of birth. He tells a story of when he was called to follow Jesus as one of his apostles. He tells stories of healing and miraculous events. He tells stories of Jesus' teaching. He tells of his death and his resurrection. This book of John is this beautiful story by a man named John saying, I want to record for you, that's us 2,000 years later, a detailed account of what happened in the life of this man, Jesus. So we find ourselves in John chapter 5. Jesus' ministry has begun. Uh, He's begun to gather uh, more and more followers. People are talking about him and wondering just who is this man, Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in aromatic which in Aramaic is called uh, Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Jesus' ministry has begun. He's traveling. He comes to Jerusalem, to Bethsaida, and there's this pool and disabled people used to lay there. Now, if you're looking in your Bible, some of you have a verse 4 in there, and some of you don't. Uh, if you don't have it, it's got a little footnote, a little reference, and you can look down at the bottom of the page to see verse 4. Uh, because verse 4, uh, just paraphrase, says, Occasionally an angel would come and stir the waters of this pool. And it was believed that the first person to get into that pool when the water stirred would be healed. Now, not all of our, uh, Bibles have that, that verse in it. And, uh, here's the reason why. Uh, some of you might, might be familiar with the way scripture came to be. Uh, scripture that we read today has been translated from Greek. Now, uh, Greek was a language that it was a originally written down in by the followers of Jesus, by early, um, church members. And so Jesus uh or and, and so the Bible came to be written in Greek and it spread like wildfire right people would recopy this text scribes would rewrite the the gospel of John or uh the letter to the Philippians right and they would rewrite these and distribute them amongst the churches and the word of God began to spread throughout the region and uh because of that so today a couple you know uh, sometime later Christians begin to compile all these documents and they, and we have thousands of texts written in Greek uh that then uh they they uh, gather together and sort them and check all the little differences that happen in the scribing process. So this verse 4 was not in uh, all of the early manuscripts, so many of those translating the Bible from Greek to English left that out because a lot of them didn't have that verse. Here's what I read into the fact that we find it in some of the texts and, some, and, and not in others. I think there must have been some question as to exactly what was happening at this pool. Was it that God was truly healing people through an angel at this pool? Or was it a place that the lowest of the low, people hurting most in a society, uh, had created this story, right? This, this hope among hopes that maybe I could be healed if just this would happen. So at any rate, this we know from the text, we know that many disabled people would gather around this pool in hope of being healed. Chapter 5, verse 5. One who was there had been an, in, an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. And when the water is stirred... While I'm still trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus comes across this man. Um, uh, illness had disabled him for 38 years, the last 38 years of his life. And Jesus asked to him what I think might be one of the most audacious questions. Questions you could imagine in this moment, right? Walk up to a man that for 38 years has been unable to walk or care for himself. Uh, he's hungry and he's tired and he's dirty and he's laying by this pool with so little hope that all he has to cling to is maybe someday I'll be the first in that water, though I can't even put myself into the water, right? And and Jesus comes to this man and he says, do you want to get well? I don't know. What do you guys think? What's the, what's the answer to the question? Yeah, I think the answer is probably yes, I want to get well. And here's the fascinating thing, the man doesn't exactly answer yes. Did you notice that in the text? He kind of goes back to, um, the, the excuse or the backstory of why I've not been able to get well. There's something really interesting and unique about this man. Uh, he, he doesn't yet know who Jesus is. That transpires later in the story. He comes to understand. But instead of looking up at this man who asks him, uh, maybe he thought it would just be a false hope to answer the question directly. Instead of looking up and saying, yes, I want to get well, he says, oh, I just don't have a way to get well, I guess. You know, life is really hard on me. Have you ever experienced um, those situations, maybe in your life, maybe in the life of loved ones, where that desire to get well just hasn't come to life yet? Like, I see it in little ways, and I see it in really big ways in the lives of people around me. One of my daughters uh, takes after me, unfortunately, and um, in elementary school, I, uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't thrive, didn't love it, and um, one of my daughters, she, like if you asked her, do you want to do well in school, I think the natural answer would be yes, right? Do you want to get well? Yes, I want to get well. Do you want to do well in school? Yeah, I want to do well in school. But when it comes time to study our spelling words, it is meltdown time. Now, how are you going to do well in school if you won't put in the time to study your spelling words, right? I mean, these are directly linked. So we see sometimes these cycles, these systems, that's a simple one. Maybe each of us in our lives could identify some bigger cycles in life where the things I'm doing, the ways I'm engaging are not bringing about the ideal that I think I want in my life, but I see it in in big systems. Uh, I have a friend here in the Tri-Cities who's been homeless for a number of years and uh, occasionally able to afford a hotel for a night or two. Uh, but life decisions, um, thought processes, and probably addiction uh, has prevented her from making much progress. Over the course of the two years that I've, I've walked with her, uh, she's had two heart attacks, and uh, we spent a good bit of time in the hospital together. And there comes a time uh, when actually a remarkable doctor knowing her situation and her history and all that, uh, said, I believe in you. Like, this doesn't have to be the end for you. And I was like, wow, those are powerful words for a doctor to speak into the life of someone who's stuck in the cycle of bad life decisions and unable to break the chains that are holding her down. He says, I believe in you. Because really the question is, do you want to get well? Like, do you want to start listening to the advice of this doctor? Do you want to start paying a little bit more than just lip service to the spiritual guidance that you say you want but are not engaging? And the question here is, do you want to get well, right? Do you want to take that next step? So Jesus asks what might be an incredibly audacious question to this man, do you want to get well, Uh, but yet maybe a really poignant one. I don't know the details of this man's life, but maybe there's a very real real question to be asked. Do you want to get well? Story continues in verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. There's this incredible exchange there. Jesus is beginning to catch the attention of the Pharisees, the religious rulers of the day, the civic leaders of the day, and they don't like the way Jesus is stirring things up. And on the Sabbath, a sacred day in which people were to rest, the Pharisees had come in and created all these extra laws surrounding what was a simple idea of resting and spending time with your family and spending time with God, created all this extra baggage to go with it. And so they remind this man who had just been healed, who is standing for the first time in maybe 38 years, they remind him, hey, remember, you can't carry your mat because it's Sabbath, right? And he says, no, no, the man who healed me, this man, Jesus, he said to get up and walk. And I get tingles when I, when I hear that because I think about many of these stories and cycles in life where people feel so oppressed and it can be the, the, the weight of society, it can be the weight of bad decisions, it can be all these different things in life that hold them down. And maybe the people they, they think they could trust most, like the Pharisees in the day, are telling them, nope, you can't walk, don't go anywhere. But Jesus says this to the man. He says, get up, take your mat, and walk. Now, I think there's a lot of different places in our life we might be able to begin to apply this question and Jesus' uh, calling to walk, to take that next step. Um, some of us are going to find ourselves resonating as we as we go a little further into this and as we consider ap- application. We're going cons- to find ourselves considering some cycles in my life that are holding me down, that I am not choosing the healing and the opportunity to stand and to walk forward in life. Some of us are going to hear this on personal levels, and uh, that'll be challenging. I uh, encourage you uh, to allow God to speak into your heart on that uh, as he is speaking into my heart on some of those subjects, and, uh, and we will prayerfully consider walking forward together. Some of us are going to hear this differently, though. Some of us are going to hear a story of church, and um, I'm speaking in the global term, that sometimes church has been that thing, like the Pharisees in the story, that have held me down much more than propelled me into a life of wellness and hope. And so today, maybe there's some of us that will be seeking some healing as we, as we consider what does it mean to ask, well, do I want to get well, and what does it look like to start walking forward? In this journey. And some of us are going to hear this. The third level that comes to my mind is uh, kind of on a national and political level. We're going to say there are things and structures and society that are, that are broken and that are holding people down and are causing hurt. And we're going to say I want to get up and I want to walk with people to change some of these structures. So whether you're going to hear this on a personal uh, a spiritual or um, a social level, uh, I do want to invite us to explore a little more deeply this question. Do you want to get well? and And I'd imagine that each of us um, has maybe three different directions we can go this. go with this. Number one, there's the uh, posture of, I'm sick, but I don't want to get well. I see there's a problem, but I don't want to get well. Now, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a day I love to get to celebrate as a people together, Um, and, and Martin Luther King Jr.'s story is a story of exactly that, seeing a system Seeing a cycle, seeing a nation, laws, and mindsets that did not want to do anything to really get well, right? Uh, There was a problem, there was segregation, there was brokenness, and Martin Luther King Jr. is one of those brave and remarkable men who stood up to lead a civil rights movement who chose a posture of nonviolence in breaking cycles of violence and terrible oppression, but he's willing to stand up and say, this system doesn't want to get well, but I will stand and I'll take up my mat and I will walk towards a better future. Follow me. So sometimes we, we see cycles that don't want to get much better. See, and that's a story of the Pharisees in our text today. Jesus speaks, as we read it, it it sounds like he's speaking to this one man, do you want to get well? But I'd imagine in this text that he's speaking to a much larger larger audience. His apostles are close by and hearing him say this, the Pharisees are listening very closely because they don't like Jesus and they're looking for a way to trap him in his words. And I wonder if Jesus, just as much as the man on the ground, is asking the Pharisees, hey, do you want to get well? do you want to fix these systems? Do you want to change the things that are happening here? And I wonder if he's asking his closest followers, do you want to get well? They're, they were on a journey towards it, but do you want to get well? Can we change the things that we're seeing and happening? But the Pharisees, like uh, like like so many systems that were uh, oppressive when Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King Jr. began um, his work, uh, they didn't want to get well. But there's a second option that some of us might find ourselves in or might resonate with as we're considering, do we want to get well? Uh, Second option, we desire to be well, but continue to struggle in some sort of ailment. And this is kind of a reality thing. Like, I, I want to be sure we're speaking in very real terms. Many of us know this and understand this. And it's not so much the story of the text, except that I will mention, there's dozens of other people laying around that pool that weren't healed on that very day. Right, um but sometimes there's circumstances and situations that we're like, "Yes, I want to get well, but I am continuing to struggle in whatever that physical ailment is, whatever that addiction is, whatever that uh, is that i 'm dealing with I- I'm continuing to be stuck in this cycle and hurt by it. Um, last night, as we got home from our leadership retreat, we got a call from Kate Harper uh, who was there with us on the trip. And uh, Kate's brother had been skiing yesterday, and uh, he was in a very severe accident and broke his neck and was taken to the hospital. And so Kate called last night in, in tears, and um, and we prayed together, and we prayed that God would work in miraculous ways, but we knew that in these sorts of circumstances, stories often dire, the surgeon met with... Um, uh, the family, and um, as he went in to begin a surgery, he said that in my 30 years, this is uh, near the worst I've ever seen, um, that he will be a paraplegic, and that he uh, he may never breathe on his own again. And uh, so, so he said, the family can go home, we'll take care of him as well as we can. Within five minutes of arriving home, they got a call from the doctor saying he moved his right arm and his left shoulder jerked. Yes, isn't isn't that God at work? And and this is one of those stories to me where uh, we don't know the final outcome, but we know that prayer is powerful. We know that God is a God who heals. And we know that when all signs point to no bit of hope, the God is still at work. And so we pray, and and, and he's going to have a long road to whatever rec- recovery he finds. This is still a tragic and challenging story. We will continue praying that God continues to do remarkable, miraculous things in his life. Uh, but this is one of those stories where we want to get well. We want to see him get well, but there is a journey ahead. There is a struggle in which often we find ourselves questioning God or doubting but it's often the very best time to lean into a god who loves and heals and helps and breaks systems uh, that that put people in bondage so some of us don't want to get well. Some of us really want to get well and are praying diligently for it, but are continuing to struggle through the challenges of life. And finally, there's that third category those that desire to get well and are healed. And we've begun to see a glimpse of that in that story, and it is our prayer that we continue to experience that in many of our, our lives. Uh, I think we could share stories of how God has healed me, how God has freed me, how, how God has broken chains that had bound me in life, and so we pray for God's miraculous healing. The Pharisees said, I don't want to get well. Dozens of other people by the pool were like, yeah, I'd like to get well, but they continued in in their struggle, and finally there's this invalid man who says, well, kind of says, yes, I want to get well, and Jesus heals him, and he stands up, And he begins to walk. And here's how the story plays out. Go back and read the rest of John 5 this evening or this next week. But um, he goes and he tells the Pharisees, the religious rulers, um, he says... This man, Jesus, he healed me, and it was on the Sabbath, unfortunately. And so they begin to persecute Jesus much more heavily than they had been before. And here's the fascinating thing about the work of Jesus. He knew exactly what he was walking into. He knew that it was Sabbath, and he knew that it was maybe that was part of why he did it. Jesus is fighting against a system that does not want to change, right? But he's willing to take that extra persecution because he chose to demonstrate power, Because he chose to invite a man who could not walk to walk again and to move forward in a new way of life. So I want to ask this today as we consider this question do I want to be healed? Some of us are thinking on personal levels. some of us in healing from church experiences, some of us on political levels, we're saying, what needs to change in the system? But do we want to get well? What does wellness look like in biblical terms? Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus offers rest and healing. And I think this is central to our story of asking the question, do I want to get well? Because some of us cling really tightly to the things that are most destructive in our lives. There's this question of, do I really want to get well? And here's Jesus' promise. Come to me with your burdens, and I'll give you rest. I hope you can hear that in your life. I hope that resonates as, as we realize these are big changes. To walk again after 38 years, that's a tough one. I've got some tough ones of my own. Jesus says, come, find rest in me. What does it look like to to ask and to tackle this cu- question? Uh, do I want to get well? Well, what does wellness look like? And I'm going to lean on um, the words of Jesus and the story uh, that is playing out in his life because today we do not have time to uh, go through all of Scripture and ask, so what, how will we define wellness? Jesus invites people to be well, and it looks like this. He's fighting against a system that has taken Sabbath and made it all about the laws and the do's and don'ts and the rules, and it's become this token thing in Israel's story. So I want to propose that uh, this text about being well and Sabbath, uh, that that we ought to maybe consider those two together. The Jesus uh, invites us in wellness to know Sabbath. Now, Sabbath uh, in the story of the Israelite people, uh, was a day off of work, and they were not to do anything. Uh, but it played a much larger purpose than not working. Sabbath invited people to enter the presence of God, right? Sabbath was a time dedicated to spending with family and in their relationship with God. And in our lives, I think this is incredibly pertinent. What does wellness, what does health look like in my life? I want to know more of God. I want to know less less of my frantic life, right? I I want to be able to set that aside and to engage more deeply in a relationship with the Heavenly Father who created me and loves me. I think Sabbath is central to wellness. So let's consider that, Will I take up my mat and will I walk? I think Sabbath is going to be central in our journey. And secondly... Uh, what does wellness look like? Do I even want to get well, right? There's things in my life that I kind of enjoy. Is the way of Jesus better? And I would challenge us to view wellness in these terms, uh, walking in the way of Jesus. Now, Jesus, like Martin Luther King Jr., or Martin Luther King Jr. like Jesus, maybe I should say it in that order, right, uh, chose a path of nonviolence, chose a path of, of peace and of healing and of hope, One of the remarkable things about Jesus that stands out to me in this text that we're in today is uh, his ability to see, that is to see people. He walks into this gathering in which the highest ranking officials in Jewish government and church are are standing, And, and instead of putting on a really good show for them and looking very pious, Jesus looks down and he sees this man who can't walk, who's dirty and unfed, and Jesus approaches him. This is the way of Jesus. This is wellness. Concern for something more than my own personal gain or my own status. Jesus had eyes to see those that were hurting. And we're invited as we move towards wellness, as we take up our own mats and walk, to remember the ways of Jesus, those of peace, uh, that we have eyes to see the hurting and the marginalized, that we're willing to speak out against the injustices that exist, but all in love with God's purposes in mind, that his kingdom come, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So friends, we've had a broad subject today and one that leaves a lot of room for each of us to ask how do i apply this like i wish i could give one or two very specific things i know i got a call last night from a church member saying i'm really concerned for people in our community because of this government strike there are people that have missed one and are missing another paycheck and i'm worried about people losing their homes like that was someone responding to this idea that there's brokenness and injustices and problems uh, that that maybe we ought to be stepping into instead of shying away from. Just one example, right? And each of us in this room would have probably have another one. And guess what? Your idea might not be the same to me. It might not even fully make sense, but that's okay. As we apply this text, I want to say, Jesus is calling us towards wellness. Uh, Individually and in the ways we engage in our workplaces and our communities and organizations, Jesus is inviting Wellness, and it's not always an easy journey. And so we lean into him, trusting in his power. We pray diligently that God would bring about the healing and the hope that is available only in him. Let's pray. Father God, Jesus, thank you for an invitation to wellness. Father, I know in my own heart, an ability to push against it. For my own selfish desires, for my own gain, for many different reasons, Father, I find myself sometimes resisting the life you have invited me to. So today, Father, I pray that for me, for all of us today, that you will open our eyes, give us a glimpse of what wellness looks like. Father, allow us to hear your words. Jesus, allow us to hear your words. Stand up and walk. And Father, we pray for healing and hope as we do so. When our journeys do not always get easier, when persecution sometimes comes as we begin to walk in the ways of Jesus, Father, I pray that you will give us peace, uh, fix our eyes upon a hope that is bigger than these momentary struggles. Father, we thank you for the example of Jesus. We thank you for his hope and his healing. May your spirit work powerfully in us that we can see personal things, systemic things that need to change. Father, give us the courage to answer yes. Give us the courage to say yes, I want to be well. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, thank you for joining us today. It has been a blessing and we pray blessings on your week to come.